Well, we, this morning, we are going to continue on in our um, kind of theme, our focus of discipleship this year, um, but also kind of how we define discipleship is tracing our lives after Jesus. A disciple is one who follows after Jesus, and so we here at Truth and Grace Fellowship, we uh, refer to it as tracing our lives after Jesus. And we believe not only if we focus on our core values that spell out the word trace, transformation, relationships, accountability, character, encouragement, we also are looking at these and viewing these as expected outcomes of people, men and women and teenagers and children who trace their lives after Jesus they will have these quality traits in their life. So this morning I'm going to talk about character, um, and then Josh is going to wrap up next week with encouragement. So before um, I go any further, let me pause and let me pray and ask that God would grant us listening ears to hear only what he, through the word of God, wants to say to us today. And I do, I, I, I want to do my best to help equip you and train you and repeat myself over and over again my prayer is that you guys don't just listen to Josh and I speak but you listen for the voice of God giving you direction guidance conviction a change that needs to come your way hope encouragement we want you to listen to his voice and so as we dig into scripture this morning uh, let's begin with prayer father God thank you for the opportunity to um, have so freely the word of God. Thank you for reminding us as a church through Pastor George and so many of our brothers and sisters in Kenya and around the world that do not have access to the word of God. And when they get it, they cannot let go of it. So God, help us to take advantage of the freedom we have in this country to own a Bible, to purchase a Bible, to read, to pray over the Bible, and God, to live it out. God, I pray that you would help us to be listening for the voice of your spirit today as we read through scripture, as we listen to this message. God, may it come from you and you alone. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. What is it that shapes our character? A lot of us are, have our character, who we are as men and women, who we become as adults by our upbringing. We are shaped by the culture we live in. Um, we are shaped by our personality that, yes, uh, God in some way naturally gave us. We are shaped by our friends, by our family, by the environment that we find ourselves in. Our character, who we are, is shaped. Um, one of the definitions that we hear a lot is character is who you are when no one's looking. And we'll maybe talk a little bit more about that here in a little bit. But I think what is most important is not that what shapes our character, but what, or should I say, who changes our character to make it the right character that we are to have, to, to make us 
um, like God originally created us, to, to make us like Jesus. If we are going to trace our lives after Jesus, we need to look to him and understand who he was as a person. And as we look in Scripture, we're going to see very obviously that the Word of God and the Spirit of God has a huge influence on who we become regarding our integrity, regarding our character. And we're going to define that here in a little bit. Let's begin by reading Romans chapter 5. We're going to start in Romans chapter 5. And let me read verses 1 and 2. It says, Therefore, since we have been made right with God or since we have been made right in God's sight, by faith we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand, and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. Now, we're going to get into character and how it's developed and shaped in a minute right here in Romans, but I wanted to start with this. If we try and go through life and shape our character to match Jesus before we've put our trust in him, before we've fully understood what he's done for us on the cross, and we try to, on our own willpower, on our own strength, to be a good person and to rely upon that good, those good deeds and that being a good person to somehow measure up to a, a an expectation that God has that would allow us to, to walk into heaven so freely because we've been a good person. If we do that on our own without Christ, we will never measure up. And so the scripture here is teaching us that you and I have been made right in the sight of God by faith. Ephesians teaches that you and I are saved by grace through what? Faith. So, there's two parts that, that play. First of all, God's grace. If God never sent Jesus to die for your sins, you and I would still be separated from God. We wouldn't even have the opportunity to know Him personally. We wouldn't have the opportunity to even make it into heaven because we've all been born into sin and that sin has separated us from Christ. And so without God providing a way for us to have eternal salvation, you and I have no hope, no chance at salvation or making heaven our home. So you and I did nothing to earn or deserve what God done, what God has done for you and I in Jesus Christ. He did that solely because he unconditionally loves us and he wants us to spend eternity with him. Now, if it were only grace and we had no responsibility, then we would all make it into heaven because God has supplied Jesus Christ. But the Bible says you and I are saved by grace through faith. You and I now have the opportunity and the responsibility to hear that gospel message, to hear what God has done for us in Christ, to hear and understand that our sin has separated us from Jesus, and to look at what Jesus did for us on the cross, dying for our sins, dying and rising again from the dead so that we might have life, we have to put our trust in that act, in the person of Jesus Christ, and then it's that faith act, that trust 
that belief that then brings salvation. God's grace through our faith and we, are, we experience salvation. And Romans says here, we are made right in God's sight by faith. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand, and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing in God's glory. Moses wanted to see the glory of God. God, show me your glory. You and I have the opportunity we get the opportunity once we put our trust and faith in Jesus Christ to live in the glory of God. I believe we get to experience part of that now and we have that joyful and hopeful future uh, of living in God's glory because, he's what, because of what he's done for us. So if you're here today and you've not made that decision, I want to start with just kind of, a lot of times we end with the gospel, but start there. You cannot make it to heaven on your own. You can't be good enough. You can't do enough good works to overcome your sin. Only Jesus can provide that way. So it's us putting our trust in him. And so today, as we talk about character and developing our character, start with Jesus. You cannot do it on your own. You can't develop and become what God wants you to become without Jesus. Does that make sense? All right? And so we're going to now understand what some evidence that should be happening in our life to help us evaluate. Josh talked about that last week. Self-evaluating. We are accountable to ourselves. We are accountable to God. We are accountable to one another in the body of Christ. But he talked about, a lot about, and some of us that stuck with, self-evaluating. Where am I at? So if these things that we're going to look at in Scripture are a very regular part of your life, that is very good news for you. And if they are not, I'm not here to try to condemn you or to shame you out of your salvation or to, or to even question it. I want you to self-evaluate and understand if God says, now that I'm in Christ, my life should start resembling these things, then we have to self-evaluate and find out why not. And most of the time, if we just start seeking the Lord and asking Him these questions, He'll reveal that to us. Maybe we've never truly confessed our sins. Maybe we've never truly put our faith in Jesus. And if God is revealing that to you, he's also drawing you to make that decision, and it can start right now. You don't have to wait to respond to an altar. You can just bow your head right now and say, okay, God, I get it. This makes sense. I can't do this on my own. I'm giving you my life right now. I'm sorry for my sin. You just use the words that God's putting on your heart, and you can say that. And the Bible goes on to say this. Now in verse 3, we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials for we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops what? Strength of character. And character strengthens our what? Confident hope of what? So we got to start with Jesus. His grace my faith, I've put it in him. Now I can rejoice, the Bible says, because I've been made right in the sight of God because of what he's done for me, and I've chosen to put my trust in that. I know I'm still going to go through some stuff here in this life, but now I can rejoice. Why can I now rejoice? Because you and I, in Christ, have a wonderful, hopeful 
future that we're going to live forever. And the worst thing that can happen to you and I is we go through some trials and at worst death in this lifetime once only to enter eternal salvation. So let me read that again. Go back to verse 3. We can rejoice also when we run into problems and trials. How many of you guys got problems and trials at time in your life? We got all kinds, don't we? All, they, come from all, they come from everywhere because sin has dominated this world. But in Christ, we can rejoice in them because we know that those problems and those trials help us develop endurance. Now, I am not a runner. In fact, I loathe running. Unless I'm playing basketball or doing something I enjoy. But just to run, because I hate running, I don't run much. And if you ask me to go out and run a long distance, I'm not going to have very much endurance, am I? But if I keep running, and then I run tomorrow, and then I run the next day, and then I, maybe I rest, and then I run the day after that, pretty soon, what am I going to build up? I'm going to build up endurance, and I'm going to be able to last longer. That's how we should look at trials and problems. They help us to develop endurance. And what does it go on to say? And that endurance does what? It develops strength of character. All right? It helps us obtain the character you and I are striving for. We'll talk more about what that looks like. And then character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. So I hope you guys don't just have head knowledge of this stuff. I hope you experience it. I hope you can relate to what Scripture is telling us. And if we can say an amen to that and yes, by our experience, then we should have that joy. We should have that confident hope of salvation. Too many times we allow our happiness or our contentment to be based on our circumstances alone. But trials and tribulations and problems happen and your character can stay the same. It can in Christ. You have power now, and we're going to talk about that power source here a little bit later. Verse 5, and this hope, this hope of salvation, this hope will not lead to what? Disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. Now we'll talk about other things that develop our character a little bit later, but I wanted you to get this first. Okay, I need to put my trust in Jesus and what he's done for me on the cross. And then the Bible says when I do that, I can rejoice when problems and trials come my way because they help me to build endurance and that endurance helps to strengthen my character in such a way that leads to a more confident hope that I am saved. I know I'm not perfect, but God has done what He's done for me, and He loves me because He's poured out His Holy Spirit in my heart. And He's confirmed over and over again His love for me. Now, if you're not filling your life with people and the Word of God and other things that are saying that to you, and you're only hearing what those problem people or worldly people or trialsome people are telling you that you're not much, that you're not smart, that you're not cute, that you're not whatever, you're going to start believing that. 
But we have a hope, a confident hope that's living inside of us now. When we accept God's grace and our faith, the Bible says the Holy Spirit moves in. God comes to live within us. That's where he dwells. That's where he tabernacles now. That's where he sets up his tent and chooses to live. But we'll talk about why we still struggle so much as we get into Galatians. So let's get into Galatians. Galatians chapter 5. I want to start with verse 16, and I want to read the NLT and the Amplified. Both will be up there. Um, really quick, let me tell you why I'm, I just, I don't know, I've been reading lately a little bit more in the Amplified version, and the Amplified version of the Bible simply does that. It, it amplifies the scripture a little bit. It doesn't add to it in a way that changes it. It just amplifies it, like Steve's bass guitar. He can play the bass guitar, and you can hear it barely, but when he plugs into his amp, you really hear it, don't you? All right, so that's what this version does. Um, I'm taking Josh Welling, and, 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 and Josh is going through this also, and Colton through uh, kind of the ordination process and more, a more studious look at theology and scripture and stuff like this. And one guy that we've been listening to lately, um, he's asked the question a lot, well, what translation of the Bible should I use? And some of you have asked me that. What translation should I get? And I don't know, Josh or... Of Colton, if you guys remember what his response is, but I think it's something like, um, look at at least three of them, or all of them. And his point was, there isn't one translation that has it all. If you really wanted that, you would need to really know Greek and really know Hebrew and really understand what all those different words mean. Well, we've had it translated into English, and so the best translation to use is the Amplified Version and the uh, New Living Translation and the New International Version and the King James, just read a lot of them. Same verse, just like what I'm about to do now. It just helps you get it more. So let's just read from two different ones. Verse 16, Galatians 5. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. Now, just because you and I are saved, if we've given our lives to Jesus, if we've, by His grace and our faith, trusted Him for salvation, doesn't mean your sinful nature is done away with. That will come when you get a new body in heaven one day, and it's not going to have a sinful nation. Woo! Praise God for that. It's not going to have a sinful nature. You won't even desire sin anymore. You won't wrestle anymore. You won't struggle anymore. You won't give in anymore because sin will not be present in heaven. But right now, it's present. And it lives inside of you and you still carry a sinful nature with you, but someone else has moved in now if we put our trust in Jesus. And that's the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says we have to allow, we have to let the Holy Spirit guide our lives so that we don't what? Do what our sinful nature craves. Let me read the Amplified Version now of Galatians 5.16. But I say, walk habitually in the Holy Spirit, seek Him and be responsive to His guidance. And then you will certainly not carry out the desire of the sinful nature, which responds impulsively without regard for God and his precepts. Like a woman at the mall seeing the word sale. 
and some of us men too. Sail, new shoes, 50% off, and I impulsively buy them because <laughs> I like shoes, right? The Bible here says this, if we would get in the habit of walking with the Holy Spirit, of allowing the Holy Spirit, of seeking Him, and when He guides us, we have to be responsive to it. We have to allow, we have to obey Him, we have to listen for Him, and then respond in obedience. And the Bible says when we do that, we will walk right past that sin sail sign. We'll walk right past it. But we have to be intentional. Intentional. Just because we're born again doesn't mean we just get to sit on our high knees and relax and, whoo, I'm headed for heaven now. I don't have to worry about sin anymore. Yeah, you do because you carry a sinful nature. It's inside of you to wander from God, to choose to give in to your sinful cravings and desires. And so the Bible talks about this. It goes on to say in Galatians 5, 17 through 25, Let's look at that. And by the way, we are building to our passage that's under character, which was Galatians 5.22. So I'm just building up to that, just so you know. The sinful nature wants to do what? Evil. Now what is evil? And you don't get to define it. God does, right? God defines evil. Evil is anything that's in contradiction with who he is, with his holiness, with his perfection, with his word, with his Holy Spirit. That can be a thought, that can be a word, that can be a deed. <laughs> we mess up a lot, don't we? Just, we do. So it wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants, right? And the Spirit gives us desires. Who gives us desires? The Spirit. Where does the Spirit live if we've given our lives to Jesus? inside of us so I don't know how you hear his voice but you know it call it subconscious thinking call it just a feeling I don't I don't want to get wrapped up in what's right for you and what's wrong for me but in the Bible when God spoke to people they knew it was God they knew what God was saying they knew what they were supposed to do in response to that and so same is true with the spirit inside of us the spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires these two forces are doing what? Constantly fighting each other so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. That just means, you know, we all have good intentions. And our good intentions is to, well, I, I know I probably should do that, but I'm not going to. The Spirit of God gives us desires that are contrary even to just our good intentions. And it empowers us to actually act in such a way we don't have to give in all the time or some of the time. But it's hard because we have to be willing to know that battle's going on and get in the habit of listening for the voice of God in our lives. Resisting temptation, resisting sin, and obeying what the Spirit is leading us to do, right? So, let me quickly go back to the sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. Now, if I were the evil one, this is what I would try to do to trick people past the Scripture. I would try to get them to believe that they really weren't that bad, that they were good people. 
You're good. Well, you're not as bad as so-and-so, so you don't have to worry about like really giving your life to Jesus. You just have to be a good person and you'll be fine because God is love and He's a forgiving God and He just overlooks all of what you do. You see how I kind of put some truth in and mixed it in with some false stuff? That's what Satan does. No, even if I just have a thought that's contradictory to God's spirit, to God's word, he calls that evil, and I must admit it as evil. I must confess it as evil, and I must turn to a God who does love me, who is full of grace and power. And I must turn to him and understand, yeah, I, I can't make it on my own. I need you. And so that's what our enemy does. That's this war hap uh, happens, this war that's happening inside of us, our sinful nature and the spirit of God within us, they're constantly fighting each other. Let's go on and look at verse 18. But when you are directed by the spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. Basically, just quickly, what the, I don't want to take a whole lot of time there. Ooh, I need to get going anyway. Um, the Galatian church had some Hebrew people in it and had some Gentiles in it. And the Hebrew people were trying to get the Gentiles that accepted Christ to get circumcised and to obey some of the law of Moses. Because that's what saved them. They were trying to get them to draw back to a religion instead of a relationship with God. And so... That's what, when you are directed by the Spirit, we're not under obligation to follow the law of Moses anymore as far as to live up to it, to earn salvation. Now, if we are naturally following the Spirit's direction in our lives, we are going to obey things in the law of Moses like the Ten Commandments. We're not obligated anymore for the ceremonial cleansing and washing and sacrificing sheep anymore because... Jesus did that, okay? So he fulfilled those things, but of course, some of those things we're going to continue to obey anyway. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear, and we're, we see this in our lives. Christians and non-Christians. Non-Christians, they, they got no hope. They're giving into this stuff. Christians still have a sinful nature, and when we follow that sinful nature, what's it going to look like? Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Many of us used to walk in them, live in them. That was our lifestyle. Then we came to Christ and we experienced this wrestling. Oh, I know I shouldn't do that. Oh, I'm a believer now. Oh, but God is love. So does that mean it's okay? No, but I still have this. And we battle. And so then sometimes we might not have those in our complete lifestyle anymore, but we still go back and grab them sometimes, don't we? I mean, I do. I, I, I would, I, if you're, I mean, read through the list. I'm sure you do too. But, there's a difference now. I don't have to give in. I have power now that helps me resist that 
but I have to allow the Spirit of God to control my life now. All right? And that's a process of time, so it develops character that looks like this. Let me, let me read that last sentence, though. Um, Many other sins like these, let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, I'm talking about people that are like living that lifestyle. That's different than us being in Christ now and going back and picking a few up every now and then. But if we're someone that goes back and we know we're just like living in that type of lifestyle, we need to do some self-evaluations because the scripture tells me if I live in that lifestyle, I can't inherit the kingdom of God. That's what Paul's saying here to the Galatians church. But he's, he's not talking to worldly old selves anymore. He's talking to the church. He's helping them self-evaluate. So it's not just no longer living in those lifestyles of sin, like the woman caught in adultery when he said, go and sin no more. He didn't, he didn't mean go and never think an evil thought again. Jesus did not mean that. He meant leave the lifestyle you're currently living in, which is committing adultery. Leave that lifestyle and come follow me. That's what Jesus is saying. So he's telling us the same thing Paul is here in his word, but the Holy Spirit, let's move in now to our character passage of Scripture, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, this kind of evidence. So if we have these things, it's bearing fruit or evidence that we've truly allowed the Spirit of God to control us now. And we now have power to change our character, not just to have it shaped by some of the, shape, by some of the things that have shaped our character. All right? The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, that's that agape love. That's unconditional love. That's showing love even when others are mean to us kind of love. That's Jesus' new commandment that he's given us. Love one another as I have loved you. It's a forgiving love. Forgive one another as Christ Jesus has forgiven you. These are commands in Scripture. We have power to make that possible now. We're not perfect necessarily, but we've left a lifestyle of wanting just to punch or fight back, and now we, we love. We understand that, hey, they might just be stuck in sin like I was once, and instead of being mad and angry at them, I'm compassionate towards them, and there's something inside of me that wants to help them see what I've now come to see, that sin has enslaved me, or it did at one time, but I'm free now because of Christ because of the love of God that's been poured out into my life. And so now, I don't get as angry with sinful people being sinful people anymore because I just understand that they have yet to have understand what I've come to understand. And that ought to make us compassionate and loving towards them. Love, joy, and inner happiness not dependent on outward circumstances. Peace, patience, kindness, Kindness is just that. Goodness. Now the Greek word here is related to showing generosity to others. It's being good to them and in, in, in not just word only, but in deeds. Gentleness. And that's tied to meekness and humility. 
Jesus was gentle, but he was meek, but meekness is like a, a confident inner strength that isn't so aggressive in a mean way, but it's confident and it's humble. Self-control, victory over sinful desires. Let me quickly read this in the Amplified Version, Galatians 5, 22 through 25. But the fruit of the Spirit, the result of His presence within us. The, where does the Spirit of God live? Inside of you, if, if you've done what? Yeah, whatever. Believed, repented, given your life to Jesus, accepted God's grace through faith. There's so many different words, they all mean the same thing. You've turned from an old way of living and you want to follow Jesus now. And He empowers you to do that. So you confess your sins, because that's what separated you from Christ. And you say, come in. And the Spirit of God, when he sees in your heart that you believe that, the Spirit of God moves in. And so the result of his presence coming in is love. Unselfish concern for others. Joy. Inner peace. Patience. I love this. Not the ability to wait, but how we act while waiting. <laughs> when you're in that long line at Walmart, everyone's waiting, but not everyone's patient. So it's not just the ability to wait. It's how you're acting while you're waiting. And trust me, I have been guilty in a bad way of this before, and sometimes I've just made the most of it and have been good. The Bible tells me if I would allow the Holy Spirit, if I would think upon the Holy Spirit, if I would understand, hey, even though I have a sinful nature inside of me right now that wants to just tell the lady next to me, hurry up, or hey, can I jump in front of you because you got 185 items and I got three. Can I just do that really quick? Instead of doing that, I can just talk with her. Instead of um, getting upset at the cash register person because they're taking forever, I can understand, man, if that was me behind there and I saw this long line, I'd be nervous, scared, and all that also. So maybe they just need some encouragement. That's the Spirit of God whispering to us. So patience isn't just the ability to wait. It's how we act while we're waiting it goes on to say, uh, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature. We all know how ugly the crucifixion was, right? Hard, ugly, Jesus was beat up. That's what the Bible says you and I have to do with our sinful nation. We, sinful nature, we have to beat the tar out of it. I mean, we have to be intentional because it's there. It's present. And it's kind of our, when we don't think about it, it's our default response to give in to the sinful nature. But the Bible says those who belong to, the, to Christ Jesus because they now have the Holy Spirit and the evidence or fruit of the Holy Spirit living inside of us are those things we have crucified the sinful nature together with, with its passions and appetites. Appe yeah. If we claim to live by the Holy Spirit, we must also walk by the Spirit with personal integrity, godly character, and moral courage. Our conduct empowered by the Holy Spirit. We don't just reside in the Holy Spirit. We walk by the Spirit. We follow the Spirit. Walking it means there's movement. We are, we are movement. We're going forward. We're not going back to our old lifestyle. We're being 
intentional. One of the things that I want to do coming up, and, and you'll hear more in the announcements in the next few weeks, but Ash Wednesday is Wednesday, uh, February 26th of this month, and it leads up, it's 40 days leading up to Easter Sunday. A lot of different churches, depending on your background and stuff, do different things. Some call it Lent and do stuff, and some put ash on their foreheads, and anyway, but this is what I want to do. I don't want to necessarily call it those things, but I want us as a church to take something that our sinful nature craves. Now, if you're regularly like committing a certain sin and it's one of those sinful things, that would be good to give up, to be really intentional about. But it doesn't have to be some intentional sinful thing. It could be just something that feeds your flesh that's just kind of neutral. Netflix, Facebook, social media, something that really doesn't benefit the spirit of God inside of you, but feeds maybe more your fleshly desires, maybe even non-sinful ones. So I'm asking all of us to start praying now, and come Wednesday, February 26th, we're all as a church going to make the decision together. We're not going to like write it down and shout it to the world. I just want you to pray, and I want you to give up one thing for those 40 days leading up to Easter Sunday, but I also want you to replace it with something that's going to feed your spirit. Because we're to put off and put on. We're to put off the old, put on the new. So for me, it might just make, make the decision, all right, I'm, I'm not going to watch TV, Netflix. Chad Arnold, thanks. He got me into making a murderer. And gosh, I've, I've, watched, I've watched it too, too often. And it's not really feeding the spirit of God inside of me. It's interesting. But it might just be stopping with the Netflix cravings or whatever all 40 days and instead I'm going to read or listen to a podcast of something that's going to feed the spirit of God within me so instead of an hour of that a day I'm going to commit to an hour of reading a book or reading my Bible um, above and beyond what my normal is or listening to a podcast see how that works from Ash Wednesday to Easter Sunday and it's going to be you and I together intentionally developing our character by putting off something that feeds our sinful flesh and start doing something that feeds the spirit of God inside of us. Does that make sense? All right, worship team, you can come back up. I want to, I want to quickly just read two scriptures to you, and it, this is going to help us understand what else develops our character. What you and I need according to scripture to help us develop character. The first scripture is found in 1 Corinthians 15, 33. I shared this a lot when I was in youth ministry with teenagers. I would tell parents all the time, show me your kids as friends and I'll show you their future. Why? Because do not be misled. Bad company, what does it do? Corrupts good character. It's easier to pull someone down off of a chair than to lift them up onto the chair. The Bible says that bad company corrupts good character. If that's true, and that's the word of God, and so I believe it's true, then what does good company do? What does godly company do? If bad company corrupts good behavior or good character, then good company or godly company does what? Develops, builds up, strengthens. 
character within us. That's why we talk about all the time about getting plugged into a small group, about signing up for asking someone to disciple you, meet with someone on a weekly basis, have an accountability partner. All these go together. Relationship, accountability, character. You hang out with godly people, you're going to become more godly. You hang out with bad company, and your good character is going to get corrupted. It doesn't mean we don't friend uh, worldly people. It doesn't mean we're not nice to them. It doesn't mean we can't hang out with them at times. But if we're only doing that and then just coming to church once a week on a Sunday, their company is going to corrupt your character more than Josh and I is trying to preach to you for an hour on Sunday. It's just going to. So, um, and the second one is Acts 17, 11. Now the Berean Jews were of more noble character than those in Thessalonica, for they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. I appreciate that you guys listen and trust Josh and I so much to bring you the message each and every Sunday. Let me tell you a little secret I got. I sometimes wish you were more skeptical, but only skeptical in the sense of like the Bereans that you listened to what we shared and you went home and you dug into your Bible every day. Oh yeah, I'm going to see if what Josh is saying is true. Oh yeah, I'm going to look up those scriptures Jeremy referenced. I'm going to listen to what he said around those scriptures to see if he said it was true. I hope you do that because God's word is going to start developing your character and confirm and affirm to you what we're saying to you is true. And if it doesn't, guess what you get to do? You get to go tell the elders that we're not preaching the word of God and we're not preaching the truth because you found it because you were like a Berean and you looked it up. And seriously, if that is the case, we welcome that. We don't want to feed you garbage. We want to feed you the word of God. Does that make sense? All right, let's stand together. We're going to sing Waymaker once again. And if you need to respond in any way, the spirit of God is leading you to respond. That's who we want you to obey. You can kneel over at the altar on my right and no one will bother you just between you and God. You can come here to the altar on my left and someone will come and pray for you and pray with you and talk through anything you want or need to talk through. All right? Let's sing together as we close with this song.